0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: In regards to being able to tell certain stories that are difficult, that are very challenged, that I appreciate that I've carved out a space where people do think of me for those kinds of stories, and that I can get them made. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee.
2: Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Bringing Hollywood back home, Milwaukee native and Academy Award winner John Ridley has established himself as one of the best writers and thinkers in the entertainment industry. From his Oscar for 12 Years a Slave to the Emmy-winning series American Crime and so many other projects, he's never shied away from difficult subjects. And he's used his success in L.A. to benefit his hometown, opening No Studios in part of the old Pabst Brewery back in October 2018 to be a for-profit home for filmmakers and artists in Milwaukee. Ridley was back in town for No Studios' Social Justice Summit in November. And over a wide ranging conversation, we discussed how the entertainment industry has changed in the streaming age, what he looks for in a compelling story, and his thoughts on Milwaukee's future as a hub for TV and movie making. Plus, we'll have the Fox Six Pack of Questions with my co anchor on Wake Up and noted film major, Nicole Coughlin. But first, the microphone goes to John Ridley. We are. I have the great pleasure to be hanging out here at No Studios with the man uh, along with his family that created this and made this happen. John Ridley, thank you so much for the time.
1: Oh, listen, thank you for uh, making time for us. Deeply appreciate it.
2: There's a lot I want to get to, of course, about uh, your very accomplished career and also um, what this place has turned into in just a year, where it's going from here as well. But I'd love to start with kind of a fun question since from Wisconsin, but spend your time mostly in L.A., I believe now and popping all over. What are there? Are there specific places that you try to get to when you are back home I'm sure it's a very busy schedule but maybe a, a restaurant uh, food things like that you have to try when you're back in Wisconsin I thought
1: you were going to ask me do I root for the Packers I can ask the, you that Rams too <laughs> now. Um, Packers still better year I'll for the Packers do, this year right. yeah um, you know I mean when I come back here obviously visiting with my family seeing my family things like that is is, is very nice um, there are things like getting a cop's burger which is really good. Things like, you know, I've discovered now going over to Sherman Phoenix, which is a, a, a great uh, place with a lot of small businesses, great food. I, I think there's a balance of, you know, the Milwaukee that I kind of remember from my youth. Most of it probably doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and then, you know, finding new things in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's growing, it's changing. More than anything, I just want to make sure that I'm embedded in as many communities as possible. Yeah because we want to represent as many communities as possible here in Milwaukee. So it's constant discovery, constant meeting people, um, constantly having new elements of the city revealed to me and to us. And it's been very exciting. Um, I feel like even though we've only been in operation for a year, um, that year has been spent finding a Milwaukee that I was not familiar with. Yeah, and it's certainly given so many
2: opportunities to people and artists around the city as well. Uh, yeah. Looking back over your career, uh, a writer in so many different mediums, whether it's a novelist as you start out, screenwriter, of course, comic books, which I love as a kid that spent a lot of time <laughs> in a comic shop growing up. What was it specifically, because most people will know your film and TV work, about that medium that, that really drew you to it and, and has led to such fulfillment?
1: I, I think part of it is... Th- just the cultural density of of film and television. So if you're fortunate enough to do something that lands, something that people talk about, something that people see, um, something that is acknowledged in the public space, uh, we just live in an age where the number of people who can see it, the number of things that are written about it, the amount that people talk about television now and dissect it is, is just... Huge. So I, I, I think that I was fortunate, you know, fortunate to be um, working in a, in a time and a place where you could take shows, films like *12 Years a Slave*, like *American Crime*. Very difficult subject matter, but uh, it was in an era where you could reach enough people that people would say, "Oh, this, these, these things have merit." Yeah. Um, and, and they were good. They were quality entertainment. I was fortunate enough to be around people who were like-minded in our desire to put entertainment out that was a cut above. So really, it's just, it's being fortuitous. You know, I certainly, I, I believe I work hard and I, I, I believe that I challenge myself. But, um, you know, would a, would a television show about uh, social inequality have been popular in you know, the 70s or the 80s? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But to be able to do it in, you know, the mid2000s, mid early 2000s, in a space where um, ratings alone were not as important as the conversations. I think really made a difference and was fortunate, very I, fortunate I'd love to know your thoughts about that
2: because I see one side of that which is I turn on my screen and I can get anything on Netflix Amazon right. all the many platforms for you as a as a content creator what are the the challenges of that the opportunities
1: yeah. of that as well very good question I mean look the upside like I said with a show like American crime where the conversations about it were more important than the ratings mm-hmm. um, you know we had decent ratings but you know they were not spectacular mm-hmm. So the fact that we got renewed every year was because we people talked about the show. We got Emmy nominations. We got awards. We were, were doing good work. We had a halo effect. Um, that's the upside of living in an era where, you know, back in the day, I were on shows that were canceled with, you know, 10 million viewers. Now if you're right. 10 million <laughs> viewers, you, you'd you're be close the second Game coming, of you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they would give you anything. The downside is, you know, you can turn on your television and watch anything. You can watch brand new shows. You can watch shows from 25 years ago. You know, back in the day, if you weren't buying a DVD box set, which, think about that, that was, you know, the late 90s. You know, before that, you, you, you couldn't watch the old shows that you really loved unless they were really somewhere embedded in syndication. So you have the opportunity to pick and choose what you want to watch, new, old Um, downloaded, YouTubed from around the world how do I create a show that that breaks out of that pack how do I create a show that um, maybe the best show on television but if you're not aware of it if you don't sample it, if you don't continue to watch it, you know, it's like a lot of shows you gotta watch it and sort of get into that rhythm and then discover oh I love this show, that's the challenge is how do you stand out among all of that content yeah it's very hard. It's very, very
2: difficult. I'd love to know, uh, both from a screenwriting standpoint, but then also uh, your work as a director and showrunner as well, what it's like watching an actor flesh out your words. You come up with the, the story, the idea, but then you mm. actually get to watch that character come alive. What is that
1: like? It can be one of two things. I mean, sometimes, there, not sometimes, many times, there are actors who take the words on the page, and they just flat-out elevate them. They, they, they do like having a a singer you have singers sometimes they're not singer songwriters they just sing other people's words but they can take those songs and make them their own and show you things in them that you didn't know existed same with actors you know to take those words and give them life and to find depth and emotion in it and then there are other times where you know you get a particular song in your own head as as a writer and, and a particular rhythm to how you think those lines should be dispensed and an actor will come in and give their own interpretation, and it may be absolutely fine, but it doesn't land Mm -hmm. where you think it should land, and then it gets very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating for the actor because they really believe and sometimes, quite frankly, are giving a very strong performance, but it's not really the performance that you were looking for. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, at some point, be mature about what's going on in the moment, what your day is looking like, how many hours you have to shoot, and then make those decisions about do I... Uh, try to pursue something that was in my head or to step back and say, look, is this genuinely, is, is it genuinely better or worse than what I imagined? And if it's better but different, sometimes you have to embrace that. If it's better but worse, then there's work to be done. Right? That's just kind of self-evident. But if it's better but different, then you got to step back and go, okay, forget about what was in my head. Mm-hmm. Let me embrace something that is this is better. Yeah. Interesting. I'd be curious if there's any
2: specific stories
1: that come to mind. We'll keep it on the positive side, maybe, yeah. where someone yeah. really elevated <laughs> or, or really, uh, took I mean, look, I can, reviewed. I can, you know, give any number of examples, mostly in the audition space, hmm. where you know, you come in and people are auditioning and you, you not, you don't quite like what they're doing because it's like, oh, that, you know, you know do, it, do it the way it's in my head. And then somebody will come in and their ability and what they're doing and and how they interpret the words on the page are just so transcendent, you you can't argue with it. We forget about what I was thinking, what you showed me was so much better and and I may even need to go back into that material now and rethink it because you've shown me just a different way, a different path, a different method Mm and what's on the page doesn't live up to what you just showed me.
2: Interesting. I'm sure you hear plenty of these personal anecdotes, but uh, I absolutely remember the first time I saw 12 Years a Slave, I was in Mm. a small theater in Chicago, and what I remember most about it was actually the end, because Mm. so often people get out of the theater immediately when the the credits start rolling, and myself personally and everyone else there just sat and kind of let it sit, because it was such heavy material, it was such a powerful story. Um, I'm sure it doesn't get old getting introduced as an Academy Award winner, but I'd be curious just for your career what that's Mm. done in terms of opening doors Leading you into a next phase of your career as well. Yeah,
1: I think it's it's a very good question. First, I mean, thank you for even saying the first time you saw Twelve Years a Slave, <laughs> implying you've seen it. It's more not than the once. easiest thing to watch. I mean, I have to be honest. You know, there are people who say to me, "And you know, I've seen it. I'll never watch it again." I'm not offended by that. I understand it, and I think that's part of what the film is meant to be. I, I you know, I, I would love to be involved in projects that are you know more than one and done but also to have people say it was so powerful I don't know that I can watch it again, is its own kind of compliment. Different kind of compliment, its own kind of compliment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to really contextualize what, uh, you know, getting awards is is like just all the way around because you you have part of your life where you, you, you get nothing and you have part of life where you get something. And then you have, you know, a new perspective after you get things and what does it really mean and how does it really affect your life is the perception you know the perception versus reality Um, because I'm not a different person I'm not a different writer nothing about me is different but that perception is Mm -hmm. different and that's something you also have to sort of balance you know and and who am I really versus how people see me and that can be you know challenging as well So it's, you know, for for, I don't want to say, oh, you know, people I I can't talk about people won't understand. But it is one of those things that's just so very weird. It's like somebody talking about walking on the moon Mm -hmm. where I can, you know, put in my head, oh, this is what it'd be like to spend, you know, weeks in a teeny tiny capsule and be in a suit and things like that. But there's a select group of individuals who've been to space, who've been, you know, out space walking. Um, that's its own thing. So I, I just, you know, it's, it's, again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to dodge the question or say, oh, common people will never understand it, but it's just a very weird thing to look back on. Um, and even now, you know, five or six years later to the effect that it has on your life is just extraordinary. Um, in a lot of different ways, Yeah. you know?
2: I've read in some interviews that one of the things you've said is it allowed you to do this to open
1: a place like No Studios oh. here in Milwaukee. And <laughs> you yeah. could not have done this without yeah. that. Um, and I think that that is a good thing because it it, it takes what is really intangible. Um, you know it's different than the Olympics where you know you train, you work hard, you do everything you possibly can, you, you know you have your moments leading up to it, and you know what the competition is and you can figure out okay, this person's a little faster in the home stretch. I got to work on my kick. I got to lift more. I got you know whatever it is, um, to to win and, and you know you get a, a, an award like this and you know it, it, it's a little arbitrary. So to to take that and to make it into something that has a, a physical reality that has a mission that reaches people that does events every night, um, it allows you allows me at least to to, to look at what's going on in my life and say, okay, great, we've converted into something real and that's a good thing.
2: One of the things that I kind of noticed from listening to a few different interviews with you, you mentioned, uh, it seems like you mentioned your age more and maybe the time you have left in some ways and I imagine this would certainly fit in that in terms of what you leave behind. So what are you guys hoping for? What is it becoming year one and what are you hoping it continues to grow into as this arts collective, this this space in Milwaukee?
1: Yeah, I I hope it is viewed as a safe space for people. You know, when when people are here, here. Um, look, all of us, we, we, we judge a little bit too much. We go places. Oh, you know, why is that person here? Who, you know, you know, do I belong here? You know, is this safe? Who are these folks? Um, we are a, a big and a vast and an interesting community of people. And I want a place where people can come and know that the interactions they have with other people are going to be positive, that they're going to um, cross-pollinate, that they're going to infuse their art or their perspectives, their worldviews, by being around other people. You know, that's what makes art great, is that it is so collaborative, and in that collaboration it, it elevates, you know, hopefully it elevates the project that you're working on. That's what we want with this space. We want to bridge build we want to um, bring communities together and we've done that in the first year we've had over 400 events wow you know that that's
2: wow yeah more than one a day
1: (laughs) 400 events is is huge we've had events like our dance fest that we did out in sherman phoenix where we um, were able to bring together alvin ailey with local dance groups and perform in a part of the city that needs acknowledgement and needs encouragement um, those are the things that we want to do. So going forward, you know, the first year with any business, you want to keep the lights on. You want to know that you have a business model that works. Um, you want to know that you can reach a level of profitability so that you can continue to do the things that you want to do. So we were able to accomplish that in the first year. Um, so in that regard, we've we've um, outstripped our goals. Yeah. And I think it's always very important to make sure that the goals that you set going forward, A, that they're attainable, you yeah. know, not you know, some goal we're going to open a no studios in every city in America. Right. We're not going to do that. But what can we do to make sure that, you know, if we had 400 events last year, can we, can we reach 4, 425, yeah. you know, 430? Those are goals that we can accomplish. And then things like the Social Justice Summit where we say, what is that one big thing that really speaks to our narrative, speaks to our mandate, is something that we can accomplish, something that we start bringing other partners in, like Marquette University, like the Bucks. Um, like American Family Insurance, like participant media. You know, what can we do to set that one massive goal, something that we can't obtain, that is going to take every ounce of our energy, but it's also just not about us. It's about communities. It's about um, bringing attention to Milwaukee, bringing people to Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. making this a destination, but making it a destination for positive change. This is a little bit of an
2: odd question and not really fair to you because this will actually air (laughs) after the Social Justice Summit. So I'm going to ask you to project uh, on something that still is to take place uh, this weekend that we're taping this. But what do you hope the legacy of that is? What are some maybe tangible things listeners here can take from the ideas that will be discussed at the Social Justice Summit to enact change in our city?
1: Yeah, I mean, those are certainly not bad questions looking forward, because that's one of the things that we want to think about as we build out this social justice summit, that it's not just people coming and talking and having a glorified cocktail party where we muse on the problems of the world. We wanted to bring together people who spend their lives working towards positive change. We want to bring in people like Jane Caillou, who's coming from great distance, from different circumstances, but has almost alone... Um, affected almost three thousand lives. Yeah, for people who are not familiar, do you mind? So yeah, Jane what she's Akayu done? works with uh, Children of Peace Uganda, who works with um, young men and women, children really, who had been um, brought under the thrall of, of warlords and had guns stuck in their hands. Some kids as young as ten years old, who've been trained to kill, who've been literally turned into killing machines. And Jane has taken these young men and women, extracted them from their warlords. And used art as a method to help them heal um, as people, help them uh, navigate their way back into communities and back into a sense of normalcy in situations that um, you know, with all the challenges that we're faced with here in America, uh, these are these are unique by comparison. But she is an individual who, is, has the capacity to help us understand how we can do better in our communities and is at the same time working in her community to, to do positive change. So when we have someone like that, there's an opportunity for people to gain understanding of how we can do more and do better, but also then uh, meet someone like Jane and in that moment when they are the most raw and moved emotionally, um, say to her, what can we do to be helpful? Um, how can we help you? So people have a choice. You know, yeah. They can work towards change in their community. They can work and help other people in distant communities. Um, we can build infrastructures so that going forward, to answer your question, um, take like-minded, motivated individuals and say, great, now that you're ready to, to do a little bit more, to do uh, whatever you can to fit in in whatever ways you feel most match your needs and your abilities. We have the ability to match you with an individual, with a person, answer the questions that you have, um, find ways to get people together. Great, you got time, you got energy. Let's get you with someone who actually has a plan. That's what we wanna do going forward. And then a year from now, be able to look back on what worked, what didn't work, um, how we built out these communities yeah. and just build year by year. Yeah.
2: I can certainly tell uh, some correlations between your passion behind this and, and what this will do, hopefully, both here in Milwaukee and worldwide, and then also what topics you kind of focus on in your work, whether it's film, comics, or, or yeah. TV. What kind of stories are do you find yourself drawn to now? What kind of things? Because the, the topics and subject matter seem to vary, but maybe there are some themes that you're you're particularly drawn to.
1: Well, I you know, I've been very fortunate, and I think we may have talked about this earlier, but just in regards to being able to tell certain stories that are difficult, that are very challenging, that um, are not easy to tell. Um, I appreciate that I've carved out a space where people do think of me for those kinds of stories, and that I can get them made. Um, it's you know, it, it even with as much media that there is out there right now, it's really hard to yep. to 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 get things made, to to get people to back you, to, to every one of these projects just are they're so expensive. So to be able to sit down with people and say, look, this is difficult subject matter. It's about race. It's about class. It's about orientation or gender, politics. Um, it's not going to have a happy ending. Um, the villains are not going to be obvious. There's going to be a lot of gray, but I think that this is a relevant project and people look at it and go, okay, well, if you're going to be involved in it, then, then we can support that. It makes me feel good At least in the sense that I can take things that are challenging and and get people behind them, and then hopefully rise to the challenge of that material in terms of the quality of it, in terms of what it's about, in terms of how it's received by audiences. And hopefully, you know, again, you know, a lot of people may watch it and just be interested in it, but if there are a couple of people who really watch it and go, okay, how can I get involved? What can I do? Is this something that's in my community? Um, Can I affect change? then, you know, that that's pretty powerful, yeah. and, and I'm very thankful for those opportunities. It's a
2: lighter topic question, but uh, coming off of No Studios here in Milwaukee, what do you make of this city as a place for filmmakers? I know it's kind of a, a smaller scale, certainly, than where you are or other places around uh, do, the country. Listen, but do,
1: I mean, the the great thing about the modern age is, you know, people can do what they do yeah. anywhere. You know, it used to be very cloistered, um, not just because the ideas people were out in Los Angeles, but, you know, the the infrastructure and the majority of the equipment, equipment and, and resources all of it. Yeah. yeah everything was was there um production started to expand you know if you're gonna shoot a show and it's about thailand you know film it in thailand don't film it on a back lot film it wherever and then other countries other cities got into the game with incentives and brought production to places so milwaukee's um you know has actually a very vibrant uh artistic community um, vibrant in size and vibrant in terms of the finances how much how much money they uh, these individuals can generate through through their work and through their artistry. The things that hold Milwaukee back is there there aren't incentives in Wisconsin for filming. It's hard to attract productions uh, just like any other business and there's always that balance between, mm-hmm. What one gives away to bring business in, and how it affects local communities in terms of tax dollars and things like that. So it's a it's a great community for filming. Um, its size doesn't matter. I filmed in you know equivalent sized cities, Austin, Texas, uh, a great city to be in. Not a huge city. It's bigger and it's growing very rapidly, but not you know it's not New York, it's right. not Los Angeles or Chicago. So there, there certainly could be more filming in Wisconsin, but it, it's going to be up to the legislatures. And do they want to really get in that game and chase those dollars? But if you were to ask me, uh, I certainly think it's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if money's going to be spent, restaurants, hotels, banks, they don't care where the money's coming from. We're making money legally. So (laughs) why shouldn't Wisconsin get in that game? Plenty of serious topics uh,
2: during this conversation. I'd love to finish with a couple quick uh, fun ones for you, if you don't mind. Not at all. Um, I read as part of your early, early bio, I actually started in stand-up. And from everything I've heard, I've never done it myself, but I've heard that's, for many performers, the scariest possible thing you can do, that there are, there are actors or comedians, maybe, who, who are just terrified when you step up on that stage. Yeah. What is it about that that can be so frightening?
1: You know, well, I mean, it's just, you talk about immediate responses and nothing to fall back on. I mean, um, you know, I've seen comedians just one night, just kill. I mean, just... Top to bottom, laughter, laughter, laughter. And using the same set the next night, you know, nobody's buying into it. (laughs) And it's really weird. Um, And there's nowhere to go. There's no distraction. You know, you can have a TV show that bombs, but, you know, you've walked away from it. You're, you know, it's happening and it doesn't feel good, but it's not happening to you directly right in front of your face, like when an audience is just folding their arms. So it's daunting but it's thrilling too you know when you're having a great night and people are going crazy and applauding you know it's happening right then so it's that instant gratification um and that instant challenge of are, are people digging me yeah. or are they not digging me and if they're not you know nowhere to go you got to fight it out yeah for your allotted time, and then <laughs> slink off the stage. Yeah, and you know? lick your wound somehow, yeah. right? And you <laughs> got a funny. lot to lick. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, as a kid who grew up uh, during
2: the 90s, probably like a lot of people, I can recite all the words to Fresh Prince, and I know that's one <laughs> of your early, early
1: credits. Any yeah.
2: fun story for the fans like me out there that, that comes to mind on that show?
1: You know, I mean, it was a great show. The cast was uh, just the nicest, I mean, just genuinely, like family. Um, it's weird how much time goes into... Putting together a breezy half hour of sure. entertainment, and that to me was always the weird thing. Was just the, the incredibly long hours and working and rewriting, and For then 22 minutes, right? 22 it minutes, and then yeah. handing off to a cast that's just so effervescent they can take anything and make it funny and charming yeah. and, and things like that. So that was just, I think the um, I don't know, if wake up call was, yeah. was the right phrase, but it was like, oh, you know, entertain—it's work you know, it may seem fun and glamorous, and it is, it really, really is, but man, it, it, it it's work too. Certainly yeah. a lot harder jobs out there, um, a lot of different things you can do, but you know, it, it, it's not all just you know, photo shoots, and <laughs> right? Hanging out red with red <laughs> no <laughs> and things like that, right? You know,
2: right. No, that's a good lesson. Uh, and then, since you mentioned the Packers, maybe I'll throw the Bucks in there too. Not sure if you're a, a big basketball
1: fan as well, but you got any predictions
2: for uh, the two teams uh, around the area? You doing know, people ask me, and well? I always
1: just predict it's our, You know, it's going to be the Brewers, the Bucks, or the Packers. You know, I, I don't. I, part of it is I, I'm not a student of sports where okay. I can really, you know. Break down another team or give a comparison and still support our team. but go, oh, here are the challenges. I just got to go with okay. This, you know, it's one. Of, it's going to be one of these three winning out, and then I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and you know, it's always great to see your team do well. The halo effect on your city, yeah. um, just what it means uh, for every fan everywhere when your when your yeah. team is doing well. So, I'm still a huge supporter. Um, when they're playing, I love watching any of them: Bucks, Brewers, Packers. But I am a little bit more of a, a football, football fan. Gotcha. Well, maybe we'll see basketball-wise if we can get you
2: courtside at a NBA Finals. Oh, Lakers, Bucks. how does that sound? I would take it in a heartbeat.
1: I would take it anywhere. Sitting next to Any... Jack
2: or something like that, right? At <laughs> Staples Center. You know, i got to
1: tell you, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know. It, it's interesting to be a fan of a team for a long time through their struggles, through their ups and downs, and then all of a sudden they're doing well. And people are like, oh, you know anybody in Milwaukee? Can you – Hook it a, up <laughs> where you've been for the last 20 years man? Yeah. if i'm gonna hook anybody up it's gonna be me yeah like, why don't, you need to wait in line
2: <laughs> thank you very much you've been very kind with the time it's a pleasure
1: to meet you oh listen thank you i appreciate it thank you for getting the word out
2: It is time now for the Fox 6 pack of questions, a chance to get to know the voices and the faces that you see and hear on Fox 6 each and every day, including the person I have the pleasure of sitting next to most mornings, Nicole Coglin. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks, Carl.
2: Is this your first podcast? I should have asked you
0: that. Like being on yeah. one? Oh my God. I think it is. Whoa. <gasps> Whoa, this just got way more wow. serious.
2: No pressure. We're setting the bar, Okay. Uh, I guess, pretty low. Well, thanks,
0: Carl. Yeah,
2: so okay. the idea, get to know you a little bit with some questions that have nothing to do with your job. But we should set the table for folks who are not familiar, maybe, mm-hmm. with uh, your previous life at Vox Hakes. Before Real Milwaukee, before Wake Up, how did you get started here?
0: I started on Wake Up. Nice. So um, uh, 15. But not in the anchor role, right? Right. So I started on Weekend Wake Up. I was a... I accepted a job because it was my hometown 15 and a half years ago. And I was doing Saturday and Sunday mornings, anchoring wake up. And then three days a week, I would do traffic reports nice. during the morning show. Nice. I did not know a thing about traffic. I just faked my way through the whole interview. And I, you and know now what? now you
2: teach me about freeways in yeah, the and the yeah,
0: so that, that's Yeah, so it's been a little bit of an evolution. But yes, I have been on mornings the entire time here.
2: All right. I'll be curious if you can uh, get me with anything here because we do spend a lot of time together I in know. the mornings. You may have given away the answer to this first question, but oh. besides the job... What drew you to Milwaukee in the first place? So maybe I'll ask you, since it was your hometown, obviously wanted to come back, what was it about this area that you did want to come back? Because not
0: everyone does want to move back home. Right. The weather is so good. Oh, my gosh. No. The,
2: the gray <laughs> that was, skies.
0: Does sarcasm come across in <laughs> podcasts? We're taping this on a very um, cold
2: December morning, yeah. we should say. Yeah.
0: my uh, Definitely my family. Very close to my parents. And um, grand, my grandma is still around. And um, I'm very close. That is the sole reason I came back here is family. Yep. And now that I'm raising my kids um, and my kids get the chance to be so close and connected with their grandparents, is pretty cool. All
2: right. Question number two. Outside of work and home with those two adorable daughters of yours, where are we most likely to find you out and about around town?
0: <laughs> you can't even ask me. <laughs> you know I don't get out. Um, outside of work and home. Prob- on, a re- on a regular basis? Sure. Maybe the gym?
2: Nice. Like it.
0: Grocery store? Does that count? Love it. Very I'm trying exciting. to think of what else I do. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I got two um, kids. So maybe at the bus stop, <laughs> daycare pickup.
2: <laughs> Some hot spots around. Yeah, I get
0: out once in a while and go um, downtown. I've been to Pfizer for a couple of concerts yes. and things like that. I, there I, go. I, I think you know that. I like, like music. If, yeah. there's, if there's something late I'm going to stay up for, it's probably live music. It's going to be worth it yeah. for
2: that. All right. N- question number three. What was what and where was the last great meal you had around the
0: area? Mm. That's a good question. Thank you.
2: I've been doing this for, <sighs> yeah, like for months. months. <laughs> Not very long.
0: Um, the last great... Well, I probably tell you about it. You helped me pick most of my restaurants. Yeah, but theoretically, you? the
2: people listening don't often get to listen to our commercial I know, break conversation. Y- that's
0: true. Where, where have you told me to go? Where I have I know. been recently?
2: This is an odd question because I often give Nicole uh, options for her rare restaurant date nights downtown with her husband.
0: Yeah, I don't even know. Um, We, the place we want to go, one of my favorite date nights of all time was Ardent.
2: Ah, nice. Right? And that was
0: like the only time I've ever done something like that with several courses and and Justin Carla coming out. And so that's one that, and my husband, as you know, does not like to spend money. So the (laughs) fact that he would spend a good amount of money on that, that was an experience. That was definitely one thing I'd like to do again, probably. You know, it's worth it if you wouldn't spend money on that. For sure. All
2: right. Uh, Question number four for a noted film major going (laughs) back to the Madison days (laughs) who plays you in a movie? Who has the great honor?
0: Um, Carl, you and I both know there would never be a movie made about me. <laughs> that is the dumbest question. <laughs> Maybe like a Hallmark channel? No, like not even Hallmark. TV. Nobody wants the story. I don't even know. <laughs> do I? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, if I knew an answer, I...
2: You it, just have to pick an actress. This is a test to know that you know the name of an actress. No, I know. I'm really
0: not into Hollywood news. Um, I don't know. Do Who you have a favorite actress?
2: Mm. Even grown up, mm. Elsa's up there right
0: now. <laughs> Elsa's really high. I always like Julia Roberts. Ooh. How about that? Like she's it. way cooler than I am.
2: Great smile, great laugh. Yeah, it goes she well. seems she
0: seems authentic. Nice, but um, you. yeah,
2: we'll get her on the phone. Okay, <laughs> see what happen. she can
0: do about that. <laughs> what
2: is a talent or skill that we should really know
0: about? it's disrespectful when your podcast producer is laughing from the other side
2: behind the laptop over there Um, just starts cracking what skill
0: do i have do i have any oh my gosh sarah do i have any sarah's known me a long time um wait what was the question skill
2: a skill or talent that we should know about that you don't necessarily get to display uh on on right
0: Yeah, right. Or
2: you do? I don't know. All the talent <laughs> dancing um, is exceptional. Oh my gosh,
0: um, I t- I danced for like many years. Yeah, I looked, like fifteen years of dance class. I wouldn't call it a skill. <laughs> 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 um. Oh my gosh. I I don't know. Crafty? That's... Are you a baker? Are you like no. you can dribble really well randomly? <laughs> no, <laughs> none of that is true. I don't think. Oh my gosh! No, I have no skills.
2: (laughs) No discernible skills, Carl.
0: You know me. Do I have any?
2: Shouldn't put this out there to the public. I
0: mean, I think I surprise you because, like, I'll do things like Pinteresty. I surprise myself, like. Like you've make done some little stuff for
2: Halloween and whatnot, right?
0: And things like I would never Instagram worthy, but usually it takes two or three tries. That's so right. I wouldn't say oh, that's just me being stubborn, not skill. Talent skill takes practice. Is it that what it necessarily
2: is? Necessarily need to be uh, right off the bat.
0: No, I have no natural gifts of talent. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs>
2: nice. <laughs> how did you end up here? All right, that's exactly how, how I ended this. up here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save this with the sixth and final okay. question. What is the most random job you've ever had?
0: I was a bartender. That's probably not a surprise. Love it. Um, is
2: there a drink that you love to make or hate to make?
0: I have never, and I, I like a good drink, but I've never had a Long Island iced tea after making them because huh. I, I knew at a very young age that if that much stuff went in one glass, I will never consume it. Probably, <laughs> it's <great>. probably actually <laughs> might have saved my life. Hey, um, I worked at Blockbuster for many years back <laughs> in the day.
2: That's actually one of my favorites, which is hilarious because
0: yeah. I don't watch movies. Um, and let's see, no. I was a dry. I worked at a dry cleaner. That was my first job. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Like doing the actual dry cleaner? No,
0: just like taking the orders and stuff oh. and ta- at, like at the front. And then it gets seamstress? really hot on hot days. Yeah. So it's still to this day, if I go to a dry cleaner in like July and I'm like, oh, I feel for you people <laughs> <laughs> because it's so hot in there. I
2: know. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you're going through. See. Okay. There we go. I did learn something new. Oh, you Didn't did know about that. Yeah. That's it. Oh, just one. Okay. <laughs> just really I'll try I'd to learn about a skill or talent. I, know, but nothing. I feel like There's nothing there.
0: Nothing. Okay. <laughs>
2: What did you think of your first podcast, A Smashing Success? I feel terrible about myself, (laughs) actually. That is not the goal. Okay.
0: Thanks, Carl. I appreciate it. Yay.
2: That is a wrap on another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Thank you once again to John Ridley for all of the time and to Nicole Coglin, who I promise has far more skills and talents than she let on in that interview. Also, a huge thank you to Sarah Smith and Dave Machuda, two people working behind the scenes to make this podcast happen. If you want more from Definitely Milwaukee or our other podcast here at Fox 6, Open Record with the investigative team, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service, leave us a rating and a review as well, and you can also download the latest episodes anytime at fox6now.com.